Hello, welcome to Lunch Money. Uh, we are the online and social media home for special situations, workouts, and capital raising professionals. My name is Nick Samios. Uh, I'm the director and fund manager here at Hermes Capital, and I'm your Lunch Money host. So uh, a very warm welcome. Uh, just a reminder to uh, share, like, subscribe. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube or uh, on uh, Apple or whatever podcasting platform you might be using. Today, we're going to talk about the construction sector and uh, specifically uh, subcontractors uh, within the construction sector. Our topic for today is uh, if 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 you build it, will they pay? Well, this is episode 25 of Lunch Money, and when we first started out, no one was really sure if anybody completing any work uh, was going to get paid. Um, and, and we commented at the time, you know, when we, in those early episodes, that uh, I look out on, on Botany Road here, and certainly the, the, we could see the subbies uh, going up and down the streets, and they seem to be continuing uh, to do their work, when I say up and down the streets, in their ute, utes and uh, et cetera. And so certainly uh, construction sites seem to remain active. You know, we're well into this thing now. The moratoriums are being extended, uh, job keepers being extended, uh, Victoria is in lockdown. So it's a good time for us uh, to once again check in uh, on the subcontracting sector. Uh, I've got two excellent guests uh, to help us help us uh, focus on that sector. And our first guest is Anthony Igra. G'day, Anthony. Hi, how are you going? Yeah, good, Nick. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, Anthony is uh, the director and founder of Contractors Debt Recovery. Uh, he was with us episode four, 21 episodes ago, believe it or not. Um, Anthony uh, helps construction contractors get paid using the Security of Payments Act. Um, what's uh, what's hitting your desk lately, Anthony? How have things changed and more uh, since we last My head's spoke? hitting my desk. <laughs> right. Um, oh, well, it's very interesting. Um, so it was we had up until June, I think the busiest six months we've ever had in 14 years since we've been going. It was out crazy and for very, very big amounts. Uh, a lot of high, high six figures into seven figures, and uh, we've actually recovered uh, just under 4.2 million since March. Wow. If I take March as the COVID start point of where it all went to hell, so March to September. We've only beginning of September up to 4.2 million in payments recovered. So two things. Uh, number one is the flavour of the subcontractors has changed. Um, up until in recent years, no surprise, a lot of them are for multi-apartment residential developments. They've okay. really kind they've really receded into the background. And what's come up at the front is infrastructure, large engineering, communications, uh, subcontractors in those areas and a few head contractors yeah, in those areas and for bigger amounts. And um, people are still, the money's still there. People are still paying on decisions, thank God. Um, but the other uh, interesting dynamic is I think a, a, the time that people are chasing has come down drastically. Normally uh, people sod on the phone to me six to eight months after they've finished the work. That's a long time. And now, you know, now two months or less. So I think the uncertainty of COVID has come to the fore and a lot of these contractors are thinking, uh, number one, can I really afford to wait? What is in my sales pipeline? Will I get paid for that? And will I have work by Christmas? And what about mm. early New Year? So they're looking at their debtors, their current debtors, and saying, well, I may as well chase these, which they should be doing all the time, but I think, that's really the, the the big changes I've seen so far. 
Yeah, I mean, I've always said you you earned it. You shouldn't be uh, you shouldn't be shy about asking to get paid. You did if you did a good job, you you should get paid for that work. Oh, sometimes they go. Oh, you know, I thought I I thought I should probably chase it, as mm. though they're doing that. It's a bad thing that they're chasing the money. To which I usually say, "Can I have it?" Yeah, clearly, yeah. clearly, you feel bad about getting paid. I'm happy to step in. <laughs> I guess uh, one of one of the things, of course, they're always worried about if they're doing work for one of the big one of the big firms. They're always concerned that if they make too much of a noise, that they may miss out on the next project. Yeah, that's rubbish. Yeah. The, the, that's that's it's like the thing. Oh, you'll get it. You'll be blacklisted. There is no blacklist. Yeah. Um, that's nonsense. That you get paid today. I mean, bird in the hand. You know, you've done work today. Get paid today. Uh, don't go wanting today on a promise of the future because very often they're not gonna they're not gonna place any value on you not chasing your money or behaving yourself. They're gonna just see well who's the cheapest for the next project. So that doesn't make sense. You were saying there that people maybe they had the luxury to sort of sit on something for six to eight months and hope for the best, but maybe they um, the you know, the bank balances are a little bit lower now and they don't have that luxury. Is that what you think it is? Why they're yeah, coming to you sooner? Well, well, that's right. I think they had a number of cash flow coming in from multiple projects. They've dried mm. up. Now you've got cash flow for one or two projects and uncertain sales pipeline in the future. I think that's what's probably driving it. Yeah. So um, yeah. I mean, we we it just I mean it was so it was so crazy, and I'm not I'm not complaining because it was good. I mean, it's very quiet now, but we were we were submitting four or five applications a week. Yeah. And more. Fantastic. I mean, that's madness. That's out of yeah. control. But um, I mean, that's really probably what it should be all the time, given the payment disputes that are out there. Well, I should add that I mean, you've been doing this for fourteen years, so you've uh, you've certainly seen uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll just put you back in the back in the waiting room there, Anthony, and we'll introduce uh, our next guest. Um, our next guest is Michael Caspani. G'day, Michael. How are you going? Good, Nick. How are you? Very good. Michael's a principal at Menzies Advisory. They're an insolvency and restructuring firm. Now, you're in Queensland, you're in Brisbane, but you do work uh, up and down, uh, all up and down the eastern seaboard, uh, as I understand it. Yes, that's right, Nick. I, I have um, liquidations in Melbourne, Brisbane and on the Gold Coast. So, yeah. um, And I, I know that insolvency has been a little bit quiet. What sort of stuff's hitting your desk the last couple of weeks? Um, well, my office is actually on the Gold Coast, so there's uh, franchises, obviously, um, that have been affected by tourism. Yeah. Um, there, there are there are always um, building companies and subcontractors who've been affected, and the the general um, position with those is that they were probably gone before COVID came in. Right. And the, the directors have, you know, we we speak to them, and the directors have made a call because. Uh, COVID has probably made it um, a little bit worse, but um, yeah, the, the the jobs that are coming into liquidators at the moment, obviously, uh, that they've got fatal problems, yeah. and even the government money isn't helping them. No doubt about it. Um, I notice. Uh, I mean, obviously, on topic today, we're talking about subcontractors, and you were a member of the ATO Small Business Fix It Squad for the building and construction industry. Just, just talk us through that. Yes, Nick, that was uh, that was a few years ago, and uh, the ATO was trying to be proactive to to see what the industry, what they could do to get the industry together. And it, it wasn't a talk fest. It was actually quite proactive. 
and it was based in Brisbane. And uh, at that stage, I hadn't um, done too much work in Queensland, but I was very um, impressed with how the QBCC up here, the building regulator, actually needs to, uh, if you're a landscaper or a builder or anything in between, they require you to have a licence and they have minimum financial requirements. And those types of things uh, are good for subbies if they're looking to use a builder. The, the, the subbies look on the QBCC website and they'll, they'll effectively say that uh, this builder has passed his minimum financial requirements. I believe they have to do that once a year. And, um, and, and I think that works. Obviously, with everything, and it came out in this ATO workshop, the, the, the ATO uh, person who spoke about this, he said, all of the problems come from about 5 or 7% of the taxpayers. And, and I think that's the problem with everything. You know, the ATO's debt recovery is with, you know, 5 or 7% of all taxpayers. And I think that's the problem with, with subbies and builders as well. So. All right. Well, yeah, I would like to talk to you a little bit about the QBCC and some of the regulations that you have there in Queensland. Um, what I will do first, though, is I'll bring back Anthony, bring us all together. Now, we do have uh, some footage of a bunch of angry subcontractors uh, on their way marching to a creditors meeting. Is that uh, that ring any they're bells, very, Michael? They're, they're very well dressed, Nick. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> I think that's that might be some some old footage there. Tell you, um, Queensland slightly like, behind the times. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like some of the ones that came to one of my meetings, Nick. What? What? Um, now, now I know, um, Michael. You, there, there is some benefit in subcontractors getting together. Uh, when it comes to recovering money, and you've had some experience with that. Yes, and and you know, I've tried to help this, the subbies people because they have uh, they have a really good association where they have a website, and a lot of the issues are developed. And one of the things that I would really like to be proactive about is to get them together. And I've suggested this to a government task force in, in, in Queensland that was sort of convened because of a lot of problems in the building industry. And one of the things that I've suggested is that maybe with, uh, you know, maybe with blockchain or something like that in the future, all of the subbies could um, submit their debtors' ledgers and then some central point might be able to work out, um, that, all right, this builder has started to, to, to become slow and and if thousands of subbies are, are contributing to it and their debtors ledgers are showing that that one or two builders at the time are uh, dragging the chain it might actually help them to be proactive and 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 be a force as one and say to their members right xyz builder he's not paying us at the moment so we might collectively have a talk to him and I think right. proactive things like that, May, may help the industry because all, all the time it's just the little guy, his wife's doing the books, he's on the tools all day. They don't have time to, to worry about, you know, if someone's not paying, they just have to get up and go to another job tomorrow and yeah. that's how they work. 
Anthony, do you do you um, do you ever have subbies coming together on claims, or is it normally? I know I imagine normally to be one at a time, but are there times when uh, you know the Chippy and the Sparky need to need to get together? Well, they can't. Uh, in the nature of the Security Payment Act, you, you uh, one contract, one claim, so you yeah. can't claim at the same time. But um, uh, certainly. Um, uh, building sites are their own little ecosystem. So if we're successful for one subby, we tend to get a couple more from the same job, right? And the same and the same site. What's definitely true is they're certainly aware of each other's debts, yeah. And they certainly talk to each other about who owes what, and and I see it like I I can tell you because I, I we get the calls, uh, another call for this builder, and another call for this builder, and another call for this builder, mm. and it ebbs right. and flows, and they you know, and uh, you know there are some. There are some builders out there that I uh, really should send a thank you card. You put my kids through prep school. Thank you so yeah. much, because um, uh, it does come in. It, it comes in waves. But the question is, just because they all know about it, what subcontractors want is they want the airtime. They want the publicity. Right. They want they want it out there saying these people are not paying us. And I think Michael could understand the anger of. They've actually essentially done nothing wrong, then fulfil their contractual role, and and are now finding themselves totally out of pocket. I can understand the anger. Yeah, well, they can get very angry. As a matter of fact, we've got uh, some footage here of a subby uh, trying to collect money, not doing it the way that you do it, Anthony. Unfortunately. Where's the money, Lebowski? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you hacked my computer there. <laughs> the respondent um, being the dude. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, the trouble is uh, when things get desperate, you know, people do desperate things, but uh, hopefully they come to you, Anthony, before. Uh, I guess maybe if they don't, uh, if they don't have one of your site diaries and, uh, and uh, make sure that they're keeping their, tracking their claims, maybe that's what they have to resort to. Yeah, well... You actually you hear of you don't hear much of that because when that goes on, the nature of it is you don't hear about it. But yeah. uh, I have to say, I, uh, I am in jest, of course. No, yeah, I know. But knowing what I know, I am amazed. There are some regular offenders out there. I'm amazed mm. they're still walking around. Yeah. I, I just yeah. can't believe that no one's taken them out because <laughs> yeah. I know how much they owed and to how many parties and to who. You just really mm. got to scratch your head at the gumption of it. As I, I guess you were saying a little bit earlier that um, uh, the nature of the work that you're seeing, Anthony, it's morphing from the apartments uh, maybe more to infrastructure. And I think that, you know, the government, all the governments around the country, as they try to stimulate the economy, there's certainly going to be um, more more infrastructure Um uh, projects, you know, they're going to bring forward the, you know, the roads and the tunnels and yeah. and and all the bibs and bobs. I mean, are there any uh, regulatory impediments that you see, say, starting in New South Wales, that you know any, that, that that the government needs to fix up to to help subbies get paid on those projects? Uh, nothing regulatory, other than to be interested. So right. here's the great irony: you've got the government passing and upgrading security of payment, they're into secure, they're supporting secure, they're passing legislation, they put infrastructure in place to run claims, etc. The same government will have ministers commissioning capital works, give it to a head contractor and say, let me know when I can cut the ribbon. Right. Now between right, right. between appointing the head contractor and cutting the ribbon, 
there's a whole long conga line of carnage going on. Yeah. For a government project, the same government that's trying to support security, because again, no transparency, no visibility. Yeah. It's I interesting. Think, I think every now and then a minister should say, bring me a list of the subcontractors on this yeah. hospital, on this whatever, and I'll call yeah. them. Do you know, I remember uh, with the GFC, uh, it was building the education revolution. And oh, you remember that. I know, I'm sorry to have you know, brought back yeah. some nightmares. Right? But there it's was. Building um, something. Yeah, but 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 there was there was the, the work went to these head contractors, and then they'd give it out to the the, the subbies. And of course, uh, you know the margin in it for the subby was was nominal at best. But there were some cases. I don't really want to name names, but I know that one of our regular view, viewers ended up as financial controller with, with one of these large mobs, um, and they they talked the government into paying them up front. Um, and then they went, and then they, and then they went into liquidation. And of course, no one got paid. Michael, do you have any sort of bad memories of that that project? I mean, do you, I, I guess when we think about the way the government's going to try and stimulate the economy, um, you know, what 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 traps do they need to look out for when it comes to to making sure that the subbies, who are the ones that are creating the jobs at the end of it all, are getting paid? The government money is definitely helping businesses, and you know, the the, the level of companies going into liquidation is down say, 50%. So yeah. I, I think it's positive that the government is doing that and everyone's screaming about, you know, having to pay it off. I, I think the economy is a lot better off for the support that the government is providing. And as Anthony said, you know, the, the, the number of apartments in Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne ha has peaked, you know, probably peaked a, a year ago. And I think the oversupply has meant that, um, you know, that, that there's not too many new projects coming online. And, and I, I think the governments are doing a really good job about stimulating the economy and that, you know, they might be learning something from the US because they're talking about bringing forward tax cuts. And yeah. I, I believe that that actually helped the, the, the US economy because those businesses thrive because they had money to invest. So yeah, I, I yeah, think it's yeah. a positive thing if the government can can help people. They're definitely helping them because when it runs out, you know, there's going to be quite a, a bit of carnage. But um, I, I think that the 95% of businesses that are going to survive after this are definitely yeah. a lot better off because of it. <clears throat> I've got uh, one of, I have, do have a news headline here. I'm not sure which one it is, uh, but there was talk of, you know, we've got this home, um, where is it now, the home builder scheme, which which is for first home buyers, uh, well, well, first home buyers, but people also renovating uh, property, their residential properties. And I think it's the Master Builders Association are saying that the government should look at uh, extending that uh, into commercial property um, as well. I, I wonder, Michael, in Queensland, you, you have to have a license, right? Yeah, through, through the QBCC. That's correct. Right, and, and then and then if you've had an insolvency, you lose your license. Is that right? Yeah, you do. Queensland is a little bit sort of easier than Victoria because in Victoria, they've got a zero tolerance policy. You can you can get a license in Victoria, but the the warranty insurer won't won't deal with you unless you've paid all of the personal guarantees on all of the repairs that the insurer has done. They won't right. actually let you have any more insurance in Queensland. It's not as harsh as that. 
I think the QBCC suspends a builder automatically for three years and then that allows him to come back into the industry, um, you know, once he's served his time. And it's three like years later. COVID. Yeah, yeah, it's like COVID. It, the states are their own, you know, that they govern everything differently. Even yeah. though we're in Australia, there's all of these different uh, regimes. I believe that the QBCC system is is very effective and uh, it does uh, provide the, the reputable people, um, as long as they're putting the right numbers in, that the, the subbies and all that are at being um, benefiting from going onto the QBCC site, seeing that this builder has 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 actually satisfied the minimum financial requirements, and um, yeah, they can have a little bit of comfort. It's when the the builder starts doing dodgy numbers to the QBCC that that, that there's problems. But you know, as the ATO said, that's only five or seven percent of of, of yeah, all of the um, people. Uh, Michael, there you may be aware, or I don't know, but for example, in New South Wales, there are independent companies that do um, financial assessments of companies before they're allowed to do government work. I mean, why why wouldn't the QBCC commission those guys rather than because they would be have be disinterested and want to get the numbers right, wouldn't they? Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, there, there was a lot of interest in consultation in Queensland. Uh, a guy by the name of Les Williams, who is he, he's Subcontractors Alliance, yeah, and there's another one called Subbies United. Les actually um, was really proactive. He got a task force done with a retired judge. But unfortunately, the Queensland government is in election mode and uh, all of the things that Les activated have all died. They've just died a natural death without any action happening. And I think, you know, that's that's a a poor sort of um, summary of, of, of all governments. You know, they only have three or four year terms and in the last year they don't do anything proactive that's going to, um, affect people adversely, but I think after the next election, um, there's a possibility that those task force uh, people that Les spoke to uh, might be able to do something. And and you know, I've I've told them that I can certainly help the subbies guys be proactive about getting money. You know, it's hard for them to have security if if they're if they're installing you know if they're a plasterer. And they get on the PPSR and they secure it. The security is worthless because you can't go in and pull it out later. So they do have a problem with um, obtaining security, you know, um, just through normal fixed and floating charges or whatever they're called these days. But um, you know, it is very difficult because I think we were talking before this meeting started. If a subby um, is is um, going to scream and shout about you know, not being paid. There's so many other uh, other ones out there. The builder is just going to go to the next plasterer if if this guy screams too loud. And I think they do feel intimidated about that. Yeah, well, I mean, the, I guess the first thing is to you know we, we've got to assume that the quality of uh, the quality of your work, uh, you know, is is good um, good in the first place. You don't want to be like uh, this guy. Yeah, I don't think even uh, 
I thought I saw David Chandler enter the frame just as, just as a cut. The private certifier had just handed over the OC on that one. <laughs> yeah, right, right, just, just in the nick of time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think even you could could, could help him. I mean, Anthony, what um, I, I think that we're seeing a bit of a trajectory with this COVID recession. You know, we had. Um, I think there was a distinct phase prior to June when you know people were completing projects, and you, you said yourself you were busy. Um, and now we're entering into this sort of longer, protracted period. Um, I mean, are, are your are your clients? Obviously, you see them when they're chasing money, but are they? You, you said before they're a little bit uncertain about what sort of projects they've got coming up and what work they might have in the pipeline. I think the word is uncertainty. Yeah, like um, uncertainty, and also um, if you've got a good contract, this is another thing I've seen. So um, clients often come back to me and say, uh, "Here's the contract. Anything jump out at you? We'd really like to take this job on." And the contract is the most draconian. I mean, it's from medieval, the medieval. It's from the Inquisition, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, but they still want to enter into it, and that's a sign that uh, there's less and less good contracts floating around out there. Right. And you know they need to keep people working. They need to keep going. So they're probably minded to take it. I think uncertainty is definitely the key going ahead. I actually think when we click over into 2021, psychologically, people the mood's going to go up. I reckon. You think? Then, yeah. Yeah, I, I've 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 got good positive um, views on that as well, Anthony and Nick, because uh, with with the government money coming in to help help builders, you know, the the home scheme. I was reading earlier in the week about take up of land in Queensland um, is is quite. Uh, rapid at the moment because people are buying the land so that they can qualify for the 31st of December to have a building contract to get their twenty-five or forty thousand dollars. So I, I think that's positive, and and the industry, you know, if it wasn't there, those people probably some of them may not have decided to build a house. So if they're getting uh, 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 numbers out of that, it can only be good. I wonder, uh, Anthony, you were saying before, and just tying together something Michael said there before, um, you know, you're saying that you've got people, they're coming to you because they've got a contract and they're saying to you, is there anything that leaps out to you about this contract? Um, now, now, we also think about what Michael said there a little bit earlier, that there's the concern that, you know, they're, they're not the only uh, plasterer or roofer in town. I mean, what advice do you give to that person so that they don't, you know, they still win the job, get the contract, but what can they do to um, maybe not make too much of a nuisance of themselves so that the the head contractor goes to the next roofer, but at the same time try and lock down a little well, bit? Well, I, I would contest your underlying assumption um, that these contracts can be a source of cash flow for your business. They can be a source of going into liquidation. They're a double-edged sword. So you must always be protecting the downside and, and put out of any concerns about being difficult or not contesting the contract, put that out of your head. Um, your responsibility as a small business person is to your business, to its employees, to the business's cash flow, and protect the downside. So if there's something in a contract that is just going to kill you, um, you are better off with less revenue rather than the risk of that thing just sucking the life out of you and sending you uh, sending you under. And you know what? Um, we quite often do contract reviews um, 
for clients. You know, we're not we're not lawyers, but we say, look, based on our experience on payment disputes, this is where we think there's going to be conflict in the future, and here's what's unreasonable. And um, and they've actually gone on and actually got the job, yeah, because they've gone in early and with a reasonable tone said, look, these are things. And you know what? A lot of builders accept that a lot of the provisions are crazy, and if you get a bit of pushback, it's okay. But um, definitely don't speak out and get advice from whoever and come back with suggested changes and um, remember that a, a contract can be glory but it, it can also be guts. can be both those things. <laughs> can be guts or glory. Michael, um, uh, you know, we were saying a little bit earlier that uh, Anthony sees them at one end of the spectrum. Obviously, you see them at the other end of the spectrum when they've, uh, when they've run out of cash and entered into a former insolvency. Um, I mean, is there anything that you see a company and you go, you know what, if they'd only done something different with a contract, I might have been able to save this one? Is there something that a common theme that you see? I, I think um, I think rapid growth is is one of the biggest problems with with mm -hmm. building companies. You know, it's it's economics one hundred and one. If you have rapid growth, you need to have um, the the required working capital. And a lot of people they want to get bigger and bigger, but they don't understand that if they want to do right. sixty million a year, they need um, x amount of dollars. And one of the criticisms I do have of the QBCC numbers is that the, the net tangible assets, for example, their criteria says to do $60 million a year, the builder needs to have net ta tangible assets of only $2.4 million. Now, in my view, that, that's... Yep, that's and, and that's, that, that is one of the problems. The coefficient of how they work it all out needs to be, uh, they need to have a higher bar there. And the, the ones that end up in my office, even the ones who've genuinely satisfied that net tangible assets, if they've had rapid growth and they, they need to do, a, say, a, a $30 million contract, the, the $2.4 million um, working capital is never going to get them there. And I think the builders, you know, they're, they're actually, think they think they're okay, but, you know, the, the creditors blow out and then I'm appointed because they just didn't have enough working capital. They do their estimating right, they do their contract administration right, but the, the, the company goes down because they can't pay their creditors on time. That, that's, and, that's and not, that wouldn't even that wouldn't even cover one month of just long lead time materials. Yeah. I reckon to do sixty million, you need at least ten. Yeah, I, I think that what, what's interesting is that surely it depends on the nature of the contract as well. You know, if it's going to be capital intensive or labour intensive, you know, sometimes you know if it's going to be labour intensive, it's a different matter. If it's going to be, you know, if there's uh, if it's going to be capital intensive and it's all about the machinery working, I think that's a little bit different again. Um, mm -hmm. I'm interested, Michael, in Queensland, because you lose your licence if you've been through an administration, I mean, how, how do you come out the other side and keep trading? Yeah, well, there, there's very few that, that uh, come out of a liquidators, liquidator's office in a deed of company arrangement or anything like that. Um, once a builder loses his licence, he has zero ability to go back on site because the QBCC does not allow him, he, he doesn't have a licence to go back onto that site because he's lost his registration. 
they tend to suspend registration of a builder if if there's so many creditors chasing them but there's no there's no coming back it's fatal because mm. it would take the builder 6 months to convince the QBCC that he might be able to get it fixed and, and in the interim the site is just going to deteriorate and as everyone knows it once you stop working on a site and the weather gets to it it just loses all of its value so yeah the second chance with a VA and a docker just doesn't happen in a building company unless unless someone can go in there three or six months before I get there and get all the ducks in a row, have all the contracts novated and mm. and work on that part of it. But, you know, I don't think builders um, uh, have enough sort of, um, sort of foresight into that because all they're doing is putting out fires. Mm. For them to be well, proactive about having a second go, they need to do it over a four to six month period well maybe they need to uh, collect you know have, have all their progress claims and uh, retentions collected and avoid the insolvency in the first place anthony what i mean i guess uh, in queensland obviously um you know the the uh restructuring is is made more difficult because of the qbcc i mean do you think is phoenixing still a problem in new south wales oh uh, yeah yeah, it's, you can see that it's become fashionable because, uh, you know, uh, uh, builders will uh, set up separate companies per project. That mm. was only happening every now and then uh, a few years back, and now it's rife. Yeah. So uh, they will set up a company, run it mm. to practical completion, and then kill it. Um, and, you know, you said we're seeing more and more of that, and it's kind of obvious in the name of the company, but subbies aren't uh, attuned to that. Yeah. Um, they also a lot of businesses will have interrelated entities and entities with same directors all working out of the one office, and they just ping pong the money around. Mm. And I've actually even had applications where the subcontractor was engaged and paid for by Company A, and then it gets to adjudication, and then Company C steps in and going, "No, they're actually in a contract with us, and here's yeah. our spaghetti diagram of our organisation." Yeah, I think it's one thing in our business when we look at funding invoices, uh, you know, who is it that we're really dealing with? And and as you know, it's very easy to disguise an SPV, a special purpose vehicle company. The whole purpose of an SPV is, you know, you can sink it. Uh, but, but, you know, sometimes it might be XYZ company is quite a respected company, but then all of a sudden there's XYZ New South Wales or, X, you know, an XYZ New South Wales number two. Yeah. And they're, the, they're certainly the warning signs. Um, yeah, you know what? And if you ta look at some of those ASIC extracts, you, you look at the director and you've got, look, we haven't even touched on these dummy directors. So yeah. I had chasing a company and I pulled up the extract and new directors had been appointed in the preceding month. And the uh, one of the directors was 89 years old. Another one was 92 years old. Wow. So Gosh. someone's grandparents have been slung a few bucks. Oh, that's terrible. They're dummy directors. The principal place of business is now a, um, uh, what is it, a company where you pay to have an office address somewhere, right. dummy office. And I actually said to my client, I'm not even going to start on that. You're yeah. going hiding, hiding to nothing on that one. Yeah. Well, they should have They should have asked you to check it out in the first place. Guys, we're, we're actually out of time, believe it or not. We, we are uh, we're, wow. we're well past the 35-minute mark. So uh, we're going to wrap it up there. 
Um, I'd like to thank you both, uh, Michael Haspani from uh, um, from Queensland and Anthony Igra uh, from here in New South Wales with Contractors Thanks, Debt Recovery. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. We really appreciate it. And no uh, thank you to everybody. Thanks for the opportunity, Nick. You're very, very welcome. Thank you to everybody who's been watching us live and thank you to everybody who's been watching us live, uh, watching us in catch-up or listening to the podcast. And uh, we hope to catch everybody again soon. Cheers.